Welcome to the D&D Roundtable, your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, casts and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. Industrious Ferret is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you dropped us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. Welcome to the D&D Roundtable. We have a special treat for you today. We are talking with the GM Tim. Hi! Super special treat! (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who have not had the intense pleasure of making this acquaintance, he is one of the premier DMs working in 5th edition in North America. I, wow, I that is top, top ten material. He's probably going to try and argue and say only oh in my Canada. God. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. Oh my god, that's that's <laughs> some high praise. No, I thank you very true. much. Wow, thank you. So, uh, our get to know you icebreaker question is a two parter. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite monster? Yeah. What is your least favorite monster? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to say right now my favorite monster is dragons because they are highly underused with a very, very, very close second of the Umber Hulk because that sucker is terrifying mm. and I love it. I'm yes. working on an adventure with it right now. Um, and my least favorite is trolls because they are kind of like really overdone to the point where all the players know about them. So it's like, just hit it with fire. I hate that. So I don't think I've ever used a troll in years unless it's in the module. And even then I'll be like, it's fire resistant. They're not like that. Yes, it is. <laughs> They're like that now. They're like that now. That's my second least favorite. It was almost my least favorite. But then I remembered I have a passionate hatred for another one. Not really oh, hatred. I want to know. What's your least favorite? Yeah, but it's more like a hatred of the way people use it. It's oh, pixie. Yeah, okay. Pixies. Because people either don't use them to maximum effect or they use them and it's just cheese. Cheese, cheese, cheese. Like, don't bring out eight pixies just to polymorph, you know, one another into T-Rexes. Like, it's not fucking funny. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's kind of funny. (laughs) It's funny the first five or six times, but after that, I'm over Yeah, okay, okay. Right, and pretty much, (laughs) like... Those are like the only the only options I see. People have them and forget that they have any special abilities, and so you're like, uh, okay, it has one hit point. I breathe heavily at it, <laughs> or they polymorph it into something dumb as fuck, and then we're all just like, really, really. But you know, um, there are some redemption available for them they are actually a good monster and can be used well i just um if you if you use pixies well um, i'm down to play at your table that's where i'm going with this okay okay. so so my least favorite monster and this is going to be going to be a hot take 
my least favorite monster is all tier three and four monsters in the monster manual because they are grievously under or over over CR'd for what they are. They are just not tough enough. Just not tough enough. Well, so you just like full swath of CR three, tier three and four, like anything like most over of the dragons, <laughs> most of the dragons, all the big devils and demons, freaking. You do have to unfortunately think about it and realize that when they were creating all of these monsters, they didn't actually have the rules for fifth edition done. I can, I can, I can actually. So, but when you when you build when you build your adventures, do you build your adventure with the uh, magic item rule of like plus one level? Magic item rule of plus one level. Yeah. So uh, every time I build an encounter, if a character has a magic item, I add a level to their character level. Oh, okay. No, because no, because I their magic items kind of like that. increase this power potency, sure. right? Sure. So you can still use the the math that's in the book, which is frankly the easiest and the fastest, and especially if you want like a, a like a simple quick adventure just to kind of get get everyone going. Just do the just do the plus one. Just add a level. You know, I didn't really think about it, but I kind of do that because if I'm building for anything other than tier one, I just assume they all have magic items. So like, if it's APL three, I build it like it's APL four. Oh, so if we're talking like league, I'll still put in kind of like what the base is because I trust the DMs to to play the table um, because that's how I'm trained, right? Like so, so I have yeah. to I have to trust in the system. The system is built to play played anywhere. I shouldn't have said three and four because I literally just said that I don't do that for tier one. But if it's like like there you go, like APL thirteen, like Paige is saying, once we we get up there, like. It might as well be APL 14 because they're going to have something that trivializes some sort of encounter. So if you have one that's like that, that just grinds your gears that much more page, which one was it? If you had to pick one, because you just picked about like half the monster. Yeah, I know. Manual, you so can't like, just choose. You yeah. can't just say, I hate the monster manual. <laughs> that's like saying, I, do. I don't like I all the good lines. I do. <laughs> Like Volos and Mordenkainen's and the monsters from uh, Ravnica and Theros and... Um, well, didn't Schwab write a big portion of Mordenkainen's? Mordenkainen's? Yes. So, yes. so, yeah, the monsters so, will absolutely eat your face. So naturally yeah. you love them. I see how this is going. Yes. So if I had to pick one monster I really just detested... It would be the succubus because it is the most uh, fucked up pile of sexist tropes you have ever seen. And nobody ever remembers about the incubus, which makes it just that much worse. So yeah. I literally wrote these both down. Um, I am going to challenge myself to write an adventure with pixies and succubus that will please both of you. Ooh. I, I look I forward to playing write. it. That is my challenge. <laughs> If you want to include our favorite monsters, they are, as our listeners probably know by now, 40 kobolds all at once. Uh, in a trench coat, it's apparently the new modification. Yes. And, uh, of course, gnolls for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, now that we have gotten to know you <laughs> some more, uh, why don't you actually... Tim, why don't you actually introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them what you do, like a few projects you've done, events you're involved with, like, 
you know. Sure. Um, I'm the why GM are you the Tim. GM Tim? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm the GM Tim, and I I I am from Vancouver, up in Canada, um, and I get to go all over the place and run D and D for people. I I I've lately. Oh, oh, lately. It's been three years now. I'm now a professional dungeon master. Um, so I get paid to run games for people. Um, I'm working on a, a dungeon master training program kind of thing that I'm working on. And I'm working on doing some writing and I uh, get to even do things like Dungeons and Dragons in a castle once a year. Um, um, well, you know, in the before time and in the after time, I'll get to do that. Um, and then I get to do things like conventions and I run like live shows here in Vancouver and uh, lately everything's been online. Um, so because yeah. you have GM'd in Canada and of course at conventions in the United States and yeah. also the D&D in a castle, which was in France last year? Uh, England last year, France the year before. So that means you're an international. I am. I am paid legitimately. DM. Yeah, I'm. I've even. I've even DM'd in Australia. So I am worth like every penny. Full on, proper, a legitimate uh, international DM. Yeah, which is when I think about it, kind of wild. Like it kind it's of makes very it kind of, surreal. How did we is. get here? I full on kind of get to the point where it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, my rest of my head's going just like this is so cool. Um, you can you can join us in our den where we're cackling wildly about how we pulled one over on everyone. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, so that that like that is, is the imposter syndrome. I, I I used to have that, and lately I've been like, no, I'm I know I'm good, and I work really really hard at 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 being a very good dm whether i'm paid or not so i don't get paid to run dms at cons right like not like not in money well no but i mean that that's that's the point you, i mean every dm can go and run a game at a convention if you're willing to put in the time and the effort right so 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 for me if if i'm being a paid dm there's a lot of DMs who do things for pay and don't do cons because they don't get paid, right? So I refuse to ever be like that. Uh, well, I hope to ever be like that. I think that's a better way to put it. Well, I, I, I mean, would... and even if a convention isn't paying you, very often they're getting you a hotel room, and those hotel rooms can be thousands of dollars. Right, right. My point, though, is that is that even before I was doing this as a job, I was still getting that ability, right? As I would just make sure, oh, sure I was sure. a good DM. And so I would, I would get that, right? Right. Well, I mean, we always want to put forth our best selves. Right. Um, and and so now I'm at the point where I can do that here, I guess. Like, so, I'm... why is it important to you to be a good DM? Oh, because I'm because I'm not a good player. Honestly, yeah. So so I. I, I, I think I used to be a good player because I would, I would play, I, I, I trained my, I call him my DM Yoda. His name's Brian. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, he taught me everything. Um, full on. Uh, so I, my first role playing game was, I don't remember, uh, superheroes, uh, TSR, Marvel superheroes. And then, and then the first campaign I ever played was, uh, last unicorn Grames Star Trek um from mm -hmm. like the 2000s i think um and and i actually didn't play D, &D until fourth edition 
Um, so I oh, learned interesting. how to run games without worrying about the min-max qualities because a lot of those earlier games, especially before the D20 system was a thing, it was hard to min-max them because they were so different. <clears throat> you could still do it. Um, you and don't I'm sure I some GURPS? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my point, right? But but that you could still do it, and I'm sure people did. But but it was it was a little bit of a different scenario, right? So you didn't learn that like DM versus the players. I always learned that DM is part of the storyteller. Um, and then when it came to DN D and D, that's how I approached it. Um, and yeah, I think that part of the reason I always want to be a good DM is because how good he was. Like I remember sitting at the table still, and he would tell a story. We'd never have a map. And it would just like everything would come alive. Like it would just be like we were living our our fantasies. We were living our Star Trek. We were living our Stargate. We would play Star Wars. I got to play a, a, a Mon Cal Jedi that went bad, that came back as a, as an evil character in a later game because I had to hand over the character sheet because he went dark side. Like it was and he did that. He would come. He would listen to the table, and he would come up with things that you would say, and turn those like, "Oh my god, this would be so cool!" moments into like real game moments. So the player always had input, and and for me, that's the sign of a good DM is one that doesn't want to tell a story, but one that wants to be part of the story. And so, and so, why it's important to be a good DM is because I know what it can do. Um, and and in doing that so much, I have become a bad player. <laughs> but, but you want to pass on that experience that you had on to right. other people. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to, yeah, I, I, I want to okay. show people that it's really cool. Okay. And then so I guess what a lot of people are going to want to know then is how did you get from, you know, playing all those games and then not playing D&D till 4th edition to where you are now? D&D is not it's not your full-time career, but it's a lot of what you do. And like, yeah. how did all that develop? Cause, um, Cause a lot of our listeners are going, Hey, that guy's living the life. I want to be an international paid. DM I want to be the next GM Tim. Yeah. So how, how do I do it? So I'll, you don't first. Uh, <laughs> okay. So you do it by having a full-time job <laughs> and a part-time job <laughs> and then all your games. So, Mine, I started getting paid. It came about because, I, like I like I said, I live in Vancouver, and Vancouver is the second most expensive place in the world to live, next only to Hong Kong. Um, and I was running Adventures League games when Adventures League was brand new for fourth edition, out of my game shop, and then I heard about a convention called um, Gamer X, and I joined in as. Uh, the tabletop person for that group. And then I did, um, I applied to be the Adventures League uh, coordinator for Western Canada for D&D. Um, and so I did all of that kind of like in about a year, I'd say that was 2016, 2015. And I kept bugging Robert Daducci about hiring me and he kept hiring other people. And then I kept bugging him about hiring me because the other people kept disappearing. And so when I got the job, I took it really seriously. So I made sure that I went to the conventions. I made sure that I like, I think Paige, the first time I introduced myself to you, it was literally like, hi, I'm Tim. I'm the Western coordinator for Canada. How are you? And I think it literally was just like, a, I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> and I insist. Pretty, yeah. pretty much. Pretty much. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's how I met Jenny too. Friends. Yeah. Like it was, it was full that's, on. That's just exactly like, how you introduced yourself to me yeah. because I, I, I think I had become the original coordinator when we met, and you were like, "I'm Western Canada." You didn't yeah, say, yeah. you didn't say, "Hi, I'm Tim." You actually came charging at me. I'm Western Canada. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was. Know. It was so cool, right? Like all and, and of it, all of the Canada. Yeah, yeah, all of Western Canada. It was ridiculous. I've never met part of Canada. It was. I mean, now you have. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I started running games, and then I started going to conventions, and I started just making sure that I I met people, and it wasn't necessarily about. It wasn't about elevating myself. It was making sure that I made a better connection with people than I had found on my own. Okay. That makes sense. So, so it took forever to find a gaming store that ran the games. So I went to my local gaming store and I said, I want to run these games. Can I have space? And I, you asked, I didn't ask. I told them, Hey, I'm going to run games here. What day works? Well, yeah, it's it's Canadian. We're, we ask it. We ask. Um, but I mean, I kind of of asked, you know, I didn't just say I'm going to be running games on Tuesday. I'm going to run games. You, you tell me what day works. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then it just kind of went from there. I think, um, actually I'll remember, uh, so I did that a couple times. I went to Gen Con in 2016, and I got to hang around with uh, uh, Robert Aducci and Alan Patrick and Travis uh, Woodall, and they literally were like, they're like, you're fun. And then I said, may I puppy dog uh, all weekend? Cause I'm terrified of what I'm looking at. Cause there were so many people and I was like, Oh my God. Gen Con is very overwhelming. Oh yeah. And oh I didn't God. know anybody. I didn't know anybody. I just, I just like, I just up and went. Um, and, and they graciously let me. And then they decided that I was a decent peoples. Um, and so yeah, I got to I got to go for drinks. I, it was my first uh, Alan. Uh, no, it was my first uh, Travis and uh, Rob Schwab and uh, um, Bill Benham. Oh, well. uh, uh, yeah, and so the three of us, four of us, went to White Castle, um, and that was also the last time I went to White Castle. But I got to experience like uh, like I had a really cool experience, and so it kind of like every time I'd see them, it was really exciting for me that I got to know these people and that they let me come into their life. Um, so I made sure that from that point on, I decided, okay, this is how I want to be for other people. So every time I go to a convention, I always try and make sure I find people I don't know and meet them. Um, and, and when I run games, I do it with that same concept of like, this is a really cool thing that we get to share with people. And if you're a cool person and I don't mean cool as in like you're so cool. I mean cool as in like a decent human being, right? Like as in not an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Wheaton said it best: "Don't be a dick." Yes. And yes, if you I don't am. be a dick, guess what? Good things happen, right? So that's true. Yeah. So that's what I was kind of trying to make sure I focused on. I I I think I really went off on a big tangent there. So, so <laughs> no, we're all about tangents. At what point in time did someone say, I am going to give you cash money for 
for running D and D. How did that? August twenty sixteen. I was running Adventures for Adventures League at the game store, and I had uh-huh. uh, an entire table say, "We want to play with you more." Um, and I didn't have the time. I was running. I was running Adventures League on Saturdays, um, and I was running. Uh, my own home game, which was also a podcast that I was just starting at the time, um, um, called Loose Ends. It was an all queer only podcast. Um, <laughs> you had to be queer to play with us. And even our guests, you, you weren't allowed to come and play if you were straight because everything was white straight males. And even though I am a white male um, um, and I, I fully acknowledge my privilege in that, um, I made sure that I was before I even realized what it was, I was making sure that I wanted to see more diversity. So my cast was a mix of Vancouver. So we had people from the Philippines playing with us. We had people from like heritage background, not like they're all Canadian and they're honestly Canadian. Right. right. right? So yeah. um, we just made sure it wasn't all just another bunch of white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. Nice, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, and we did, we did a game for about two years. So I had all these games um, and I couldn't afford to take time off work to run games. And that's what it was. That's what the request was because it was like, we have limited nights. And so I decided, okay, I have to charge and I have to make my wage. And so I based my prices originally off of how much it would cost to go to a movie in Vancouver. Um, Which I imagine well, isn't terribly cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's still about, it's, it was about, it was about 10 bucks and you get two hours. And so the way I did it was 10 bucks per person per session. And, uh, I'm now up to $20 per person per session for a campaign. Um, and that's my starting rate because if it's going to be more often, it's going to be more, if it's going to be an awkward times, it's going to be more. So I just had a group that wants to bring me on and they want to start at a certain hour, which means I have to take time off work to leave early. And my work is really good with letting me go early. So so I go early, but because I'm losing that time, you have to accommodate for that. So so I've, I've created kind of like a sliding scale. Um, mm-hmm. I think but it was, it was just a matter of, it was just a matter of like, I need to pay rent. So if I'm going to be running all yeah. these games and I need to pay rent, you're going to pay for it. And, and at first I felt weird about it. And then I realized, nope, I shouldn't feel weird about this. We pay for the silliest things in North America, especially. We pay people to seat us at a table. Why? Why am I paying you to bring my pizza to me? You are already being paid to bring my pizza to me. Right. But we freak out about, we, we spend ridiculous amounts of money on alcohol, which I'm drinking wine right now, which I love. And I pay for this wine. But we fret about paying $20 for a book that we're going to use over and over and over again. Like, I'm kind of over the argument that you shouldn't be paid for something you do. And especially when you're good at it. And this is where it comes back to where I know I am very good at what I do. Um, I, I, if you need, like, metrics, I get really good ratings at the Baldwin Games games. I get, I, and I now have. And and just for our listeners, Baldwin Games is the company that handles the running of D&D Adventures League League at Origins Gen Con PAX PAX and they're branching out into other stuff now too um, like they just did since we've gone online they just did Metaverse which was right, right, right. Uh, comic, some comic cons in the northeast converged yeah, together yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so and so, so because it, so because I get a good rating with these, I get to mm-hmm. I get to so my my ratings come from players at my table, and I'm always in the nineteen point eight nine out of twenty. Yeah, so, you are. So I mean, I I and I I do it because I, and that's not that's not saying that because I'm like. I'm, I'm not bragging about that. It's more of just like, if you need the metrics, I, I can give them to you. But mm. realistically, you can ask anybody who's played at my table and it will almost always be a very good time. Not always, because I know that I have conflict with players. But if I ever find a DM who doesn't have conflict with players, they're lying to me. Because they're lying to you or, or their players lied to them. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean that to be mean. It's just straight up like there's no way you were ever going to please everybody. And yeah, so as soon yeah. as you get over that and accept that, then you'll be good. Um, so I, so I, as, as you know, I was a moderator on the big fifth edition Facebook group <laughs> for years. Uh, and one of the recurring knockdown drag out fights that we had three times a week was that the subject of paid DMing would would come up. And a lot of people are like, fuck yeah. Like, don't ever mess with somebody's side hustle. And mm-hmm. the other side of that was that people were concerned that you were changing the collaborative nature of the game because you're going from collaborative group storytelling just for fun to providing a service for clients. You know how many things I get paid for that are still fun? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's that, but there's also like, do you go to the movies? Do you go to a play? Do you go to concerts? Do you go to shows? Do you go to poetry recitals? Do you go to book openings? Do you go to uh, any of these, any of these things where you're going to a cultural event, um, that's not the kitty version of a, of a hot chocolate that's watered down Christmas market, right? Like, right. Even, even those you have to pay to go to. And it's, it's because we have created an economic world. And unfortunately I don't get to eat for free and I run Right now, I actually I can count. I run, I think it's twelve games a month right now, and there is zero way that I can do that if I'm not getting paid for it. I just, it's not possible. It's not, it's not feasible. One, two, three, four, ten, ten groups. Ten groups. How many times a month each? Uh, all of them are at least. Uh, so two, one, no, one's once a month, one's every three weeks, the rest except for and then one is every week and all the rest are bi-weekly mm, that is a lot of a lot of hours spent dm i have i have DMing. and yeah. prepping yeah i was yeah. gonna say preparation have, for that i have four to five i'd say three three to five nights a week i'm running a game yeah so do you feel like there's something about monetizing the D experience and changing and being a contractor providing service for clients that alters the DM player relationship uh, no. at all? You feel it's just no. the same? Yep. Because if I'm still a bad DM, I'm still a bad DM. Mm-hmm. If I still you- don't listen to my players and and create an engaging game with them versus arguing with them over whether or not they're playing my game, I will not have people pay to me run games. 
Sure. It's straight up. Honestly, I don't want to call those people who out who complain on the 5e group, but I feel like the ones who are complaining, they're probably the bad DMs. Yeah, I would say more. It's I'd say like uh, yeah, I would I would not disagree with you. However, I would say that likely it's more a sense of we're not used to it. We don't understand yeah. it. And and for the longest yeah. time, I mean for 40 years, this has not been a paid thing. Right. Well, I mean, that not entirely true, but yes, for the most part. I mean, as far as the DM factor goes, like very rarely did you have a paid DM. And I would argue until Critical Role and Penny Arcade, you really didn't have paid DMs. You would have event people, but you wouldn't have paid DMs. I mean, it happened for private games and stuff. People still wanted that, you know. But it definitely wasn't as prevalent as it is now that there's so much like shared knowledge out there. Well, and and now people can see that you can do it. So yeah, and it you took, can, and it you took can do, people. And you can compare wages, which always helps. Oh, uh, I yeah, uh, th- that that I actually get uncomfortable with. I wasn't even sure if I was going to share how much I charge because because I feel like it's a really hard decision as to how to establish rates and how to like decide. Like, so there are people who will not pay you because you're charging too low. So they think that you're under, you're not as good. Sure. Um, sure. And then there's people who will look at how much you charge and think that you're charging too much um, because they don't have a lot of money. And so it's this weird sort of setting that like, uh, I don't like to talk about it. And the more I thought about it, I was like thinking about this question specifically. And the, the more I thought about it, the more I realized the reason I don't like to talk about it is because we're not encouraged to discuss finances in today's society. Yeah. We're encouraged yeah. to treat it like it's this thing that should be secret when really we should be talking about it more often. Absolutely. So I really, I, I know that the reason I started charging what I charged was because I was one of the first DMs in Vancouver to do it as a regular thing. There were others who were doing like, I will charge and do a big setting for you in your corporate office. Like, that's great. Um, But I had no networking like that. I just had a group that was like, we want to pay you to run games. What do you think is fair? And I said, well, I go to a couple of movies every month. So this is fair to me. And, and people have agreed. Right. And so every year I've raised my prices. um, And I think starting out, like that's a good, there's, that's a good spot to base your rate. What would you play for your average entertainment out? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That was exactly it. And then, and then the more I realized, and then this way too, it allows me, if I have a bunch of students in university come up to me and say, Hey, we really want to run a game. I'll say, okay, I'm still going to charge you, but I'll charge you my original rate of 10 bucks per person per game, because I know what it's like to be living on student loans and not have any damn money. But I also can't run any games for you unless I'm being paid because I need to live. So just like the movies, you get a discount with your student ID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would I would argue the other big thing too is that if people if people really have an issue with like GMs charging to run their games, then don't. Right. Like it's kind of right. like gay marriage. If you have a problem with gay marriage, one of you is probably gay. Like, and if you're not, then it doesn't affect you. So shut up. Right. But I mean, if you're looking at a a party of paying customers and they have done something stupid, like. Mm-hmm ridiculously stupid like they're torn up from one encounter and then they charge into the next encounter without taking a short rest or they chain a couple encounters together and you're looking at a tpk yeah 
uh, is there not a question in your head of, well, I don't want to TPK these guys because nope. they're being cosplay? <laughs> no? Okay. Nope. And I'll tell you why. Because of one very important thing. Before every C- uh, before any campaign, uh, one shots it doesn't count for. A uh, one shot I even put. So I've actually got, if you look at my website, I've actually got a disclaimer um, with an asterisk and even like lowercase like asterisk text. You, you, you may da- die. Um, and the reason I put that actually is it says you you may die well not you but your character exactly because 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 the dice roll as they roll um, when it comes to a campaign before I charge for anything everyone gets a free session zero so I charge in sets of four games at a time so your first set I call them is basically five sets five games because the first session is no game at all. We build characters together. You, you don't get to build your character before you come to the table. You build characters together. And then we decide on the rules of the campaign. And one of the rules that is that is established right off is, can it be lethal or is this a non-lethal game? Can your characters die or can they not? And we decide right off the bat. And I don't think I've ever done a proper full TPK without full permission from the entire party. I've done two, three... And one of them was the TPK and the other two, you know, one was a dream sequence just to screw mm-hmm. the players because we knew we had to go into another. And it was part of like, it was part of the intensity of the scene that I had created. Sure. So, and then the third one was, um, they, it, we, we actually did, <laughs> we actually did Minds of Vendelver. And this is one of my first advice to Minds of Vendelver. If you're a new DM running it um, and you're playing by the book, you're probably going to TPK because the book is actually a little bit overpowered for level one, level two players. So what you do is you just knock them out. So people forget that knockout is also starts with a K. So you don't have to do a total party kill. You do a total party knockout. You have them all wake up inside a prison with a little Mm -hmm. bit of their gear stowed somewhere so that they're not completely hooped. And then you let them get out. Now you've created a new part of the story and they have a shared experience that they will never forget. You've also just taught the players that they have to run away sometimes. You're not invincible. You're not invincible. And you gave them that one. Like it's kind of like an automatic buy. Um, mm-hmm. but again, that's established in the session zero. So, sure. so you should be doing a session zero, whether you're paid or not. And if you're not, that's again, just back to being a DM. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you create individualized content for every one of these games and it's all homebrew or can you like recycle it a little bit? So you have a couple yeah. of groups running through the same material. Um, oh, go ahead, Jenny. And and follow up on that, like, do you tend to run, like, mostly lower-level stuff, or do you run a lot of high-level adventures? Like, I, I'm just kind of curious, oh, like, man. what the demographics are for this kind of thing. All over, and I, I'm sure that it is, and it's probably one of the reasons why I don't get to write as much as I'd like to, but but I it's become, like I said, I've been doing this, so in... Next week, Tuesday, actually, I'll run, it'll be my year three anniversary. Um, I'll run my Halloween game for the first group that I ever had. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, it's become such a part of my life that even my day job knows that I do this and mm-hmm. and are like full on just like, yep, you need an hour to run a game. We get it. Right. Like, and I work, I work at a credit union. So they're like, that's kind of cool. They even hired me when they hired me. They're like, what's your side gig? And I kind of looked at them. I said, probably you, <laughs> like you're probably my, <laughs> side, 
right? It is. It's yeah. on my resume, like yeah, on my yeah, actual it's, legitimate it's professional resume. Um, um, and not even professional dungeon master, but I put the whole brand in there. And because mm-hmm. I do a ridiculous amount. So like my social media is sometimes lagging. Um, but I also do the entire work of an entire team on my own. Right. So I feel no guilt for any of that, but as far as I'm I'm sorry, I went on another tangent, um, the content. So the, the, the content is like, um, the content is like, um, um, mixed in with, um, I started with my own world that I'm still trying to figure out how to present to the world. I'm really proud of it. It's kind of unique. It's of course got an apocalyptic scenario, but only kind of sort of like no one remembers it. So it's, it's this little section of a world that has to be re-explored. So I get to do kind of whatever I want with it. Um, and there's no like big bad. There was a war that everyone knows happened, but there's been peace for like a long time. So it's kind of like one of those, meh. I'm making kind of like a happy place, right? But at the same time, the giants, uh, the uh, demons are trying to take over the world. So is the, was the war like a big defining event, kind of like Eberron was? At first it was, but it's more of just the reason why the world is shaped as it is now. And, and, and yeah, no, so I mean, that's kind of similar to, you know, Eberron present day. But of course, I mean, you're gonna, you got a lot. No, no. So I mean... Yeah, so in, in real brief, it's more like, so Eberron, the war really was the defining factor. And the end of the war shaped the world. This is more like the war, war happened so long ago that no one except for a couple elves remember it. And, and the world just is the way that it is. But also it hasn't been explored beyond certain areas. And I, wanted, I did that because I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And I and I kind of I kind of got I, I, so basically I went crazy with kind of world creation. I built this world, and then I'm like, why did I do all of this? Now I have nowhere to go. So if the players are like, if I want to do this, I'm like, uh, but I didn't get that ready. So now I can get it ready. Right now I can just add on to it as I want. Um, but uh, so I had this place called Jordan's Crossing, and it's a city. It's a city state. And so I really loved, I loved Eberron. So I played into the airship part a little bit. Um, I loved the idea of cloud giants. So I played into those. Um, so like they find an, uh, an ancient air giant castle that was completely decimated. So it's been abandoned for a thousand years and they find these like demon gut rippers. And so they find demon bodies and giant bodies amassed as a, like this massive floating living grave. Right. Um, Meanwhile, they're little people that have to fight an ooze because they're not checking doors and they find bookshelves that they have to like climb like mountains. And so I reused stuff like the first two adventures of my Jordan's Crossing stuff a whole bunch because I knew it. I could just give it to you. But every single group took a different action every single time. So I ended up having to create new stories for every single group every week. Because everyone would have to come up with something. Everyone would say something. Everyone would do something different. So I had the first two ready to go, but I swore that I wasn't going to railroad any of them. And that was one of the first mistakes I made. Um, and one of the biggest things I learned about running games. <laughs> you got to direct yeah. them a little so, bit. Uh, that you, need, that you yeah. need to railroad a little bit so you could reuse content. Yeah. So so one of the things that I've decided makes a really, really, really great DM, um, people argue the railroad all the time. And I'm a proponent for it with one very, very, very large caveat. A railroad is great. It gets you from A to B. 
It gets you where you need to go and it gets you there efficiently, incredibly well. There's nothing wrong with railroads. The problem with railroads isn't that it exists. It's that if you get off when you're not ready, you're going to have a bad time. So you should always let the players choose the stations they're going to get off at. Sure. So you always have this railroad, but you're always going to get off when you need to get off. And, 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 and if you're forcing the players to get off, now you're a bad conductor because they've paid for that ticket. So they're right, going from right. A to Z and they can have as many stops in between that they choose. You just have to make sure they hit A and Z. Kind of. More like, so if they don't even bother going to Z and they just go to B, and you really need Z to happen, you move it down to B and just make it happen. Okay. Sure. Right? Sure like, it can always kick in the door. Yeah. It's still, exactly. Um, and never, ever, ever, a GM tip. Never, ever, ever. Ever rule number one as a GM: never present a scenario that your group cannot solve. Ever, yep. never ever give a locked door if no one in the group has strength to knock it down. Uh, magic uh, to open uh, the it. Crowbar, magic to open it. Lockpick tools. Yeah, if they don't have any of those things, that door does not exist anymore. It's now an archway that's open because if you need them to get in there, you have to let them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's an interesting question. So you've been doing this for about three years now. How mm-hmm. have your DMing skills matured or changed as you have become a professional DM? I listen more. Yeah? What do you mean? Yeah. Players are one of your best inspirations, especially the ones that are at the table. And, uh, and if you really want to run a game that's really, really personal for the table in front of you, you will listen to every single thing they say and you will write it down. It doesn't have to be exact wording. It doesn't have to be everything. It can be like, um, it can be like railroad, railroad, good pixies, bad. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back and I'm going to be like, all right, so there's a pixie and a succubus and the gnolls are kicking their butts. What are you going to do? And you're going to be like, I'm going to totally help the gnolls. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. But if I hadn't paid attention to that, then I would have said something like, okay, so there's pixies and gnolls kicking their pixies kicking the gnolls butts and the pixies are winning um, and you have to help the pixies. Yeah. yeah, see, did you hear your tone of voice? Yeah. You inst- yeah, did. did you hear that? Did you yes. hear that? She she instantly went, uh-huh. Like it was that automatic <laughs> down, right? Like so if I'd done that at the table, um, which which originally a lot of DMs will do because you have this idea. I know the pixies are good, I know the gnolls are bad, the pixies are gonna take out the gnolls, it's gonna happen. No, you want to listen to what the players are talking about. You know that your players like or dislike these things. Use that to your advantage. It doesn't matter if they were supposed to be uh, goblins. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, if my I, table had a huge thing for pixies being evil, I'd throw them in there as some bad guys. Or I guess if they thought that they were the best things in sliced bread, I could make them good guys and put them in, even though I don't like them. Or you could make them good guys until they're not, because that's the best bad guy. Yeah. I'm totally going to be your friend. Oh, by the way, you work for me now. <laughs> By the way, I've probably morphed you into a frog. <laughs> right? Like, 
oh, look, you're a fly, and there's a frog right there. Sucks to be you, hey? Um, <laughs> we didn't sign no contract. Yeah. A lot, so, of, it, a lot of it came, a lot of it came from, more. like, yeah, a lot of it came from, from just having to, so you, you run, <laughs> when you run even four games, you run out of content real fast. Like, really? yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting really, really good at mining. Um, for those DMs or those of who are players who don't know, uh, uh, mining is when you watch content or read content mm-hmm. and try to absorb it into your D and D game. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, I'm running a game that's all. Um, it's my only. It's my one of my. It's I'm running a game weekly for a bunch of 14 year old boys. It's the youngest I've ever ran a game for. Um, and they only did it because their parents were like, eh, eh, it's a story. They're, they're, they're cool kids. Um, I didn't expect I would be having such a good time. Um, but they really wanted espionage. And then they wanted Eberron. And I'm like, great, I'm going to run you through a bunch of James Bond games. So sure. I bought the entire James Bond series. And I started watching it. And first of all, holy misogynist Batman. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, but I don't remember any of that, right? Like I just remember Bond and the gadgets and the cool cars. And I'm watching this like I am way too gay for this show. Like there is way, <laughs> way too much straight. Like it's like, can I just fast forward this till we get to the cool? Now he's parachuting out of a plane. Excellent. So I, I use all of that. So I had them parachuting out of a out of an airship that had invisibility on it, right? So it's cool like- stuff, but yeah, it was the cool. The boats with the ejector seats. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So trying to turn that stuff into D and D is a lot of fun, right? Um, but but you've got it. You've like, yeah, you you run out of content so quickly if you're not careful. So if you if you if you don't listen to your players, you will not have a story to give them. But if over the last four games you've been writing down these little notes when they make comments about NPCs or even if they kill all your NPCs. Now you've got the cops after them because they've done something. So oh, they creating, got a reputation. Right. But creating consequences. It's not even just reputation. It's just always having a consequence. So mm. you create your adventures for them to achieve a goal. But through that, through that adventure you create, every action they create is going to have a consequence. Either they fail or they don't. And that's okay. But I mean... If they fail, and always make sure they fail forward, right? So, like, you're you're doing kind of like a whole bunch of different DM tricks all at once. If you don't do any of them, you'll just end up always running published adventures, which there's nothing wrong with um, at all. But for what I do, I couldn't afford that many published adventures, or I'd run the same one over and over again, and then I would get bored as a DM. Sure. And if you get bored as a DM, there is no worse table to be at than a bored DM. None. Oh, God, I've been at that convention table. It's the worst. It's the worst if it's a convention table. It's the. It's even more worse if it's a friend because then you have friend guilt added to it. Yeah. Right? So, so and, and if you're playing with somebody every two weeks, so these guys I've played with every two weeks for a year now, three years now, um, they're my friends. So if, 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 if I present a poor game, it's not as gratifying for anybody, Sure, you know, like Uh them or me. Um, So, yeah. So how do you find your clients, your players? Mm. 
just word of mouth? Do you advertise? A little bit. So I uh, like I benefit from the fact that on Sundays I work on a game store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my boss was very, <laughs> my boss was great, very, very great. I got the job actually because I ran Adventures League games. <laughs> so um, um, on Sundays I work at the game store, so I get to put my 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 um, business cards out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever somebody buys D and D, everyone at the shop is like, "Yeah, make sure you talk to Tim if you have any questions." Or any 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 role playing games, right? Because like this this bookshelf, oh, you, the listeners can't see it, but behind me is a bookshelf of four bookshelves all filled. One shelf is D and D, one shelf is Star Trek, um, one shelf is all the fantasy flight stuff um, and superhero stuff, and then one shelf is like old fourth edition or third edition Eberron books, right? So it's like all these sure. things that are like I play lots. Um, I wish I had bookshelves. It's it's the it's the only one I have. Um, everything else is stacks. Anyways, um, um, the point is is that is that um, um, people end up, yeah, you end up you end up talking people at the at the shop, and then and then you have people who have played my games. So I've got a birthday, a group of people that run. I run their games for their birthday every year, and their friends have started hiring me for their birthdays. Cool. Um, yeah. And then, and then I That's just the best had birthday present, right? And then I had all these people, all these kids, and they found me because one of them had heard from one of their friends that I ran a game for them. Um, and then I got things like the D and D in a castle because I put the work into finding them as many diverse DMs as I possibly could, sure. um, without any expectation. So they offered me a position at that place, and then I showed them that I was worth it. So they bring mm-hmm. me back, right? Same with Baldwin yeah. Games. It was like, hey, I'm volunteering. Now I'm going to show you that I'm worth the effort. And now I'm worth the effort. Um, You've definitely put in your due for the community. Right. But it's not necessarily for the community. It's more to prove that I that I can do it. And it's just as much for me as it is for anyone else. Right. But as far as finding players going, and um, that's that's really what it is. Like I have my own website now, the gmtim.ca. And I, I did poorly at updating it, but I've recently found like over COVID, uh, I've started doing like a playing into more board games. So with one of my coworkers, we make a want to play video thing. And, and so I've been posting one of those every week now and we've made video content. So I'm branching out. The brand is branching out from beyond just sure. D&D. Um, I'm writing. Um, uh, I get to write for Adventures League, which is freaking amazing right like i had yeah. a season nine adventure which I, I was pretty proud of for my first adventure out i'm, I'm pretty happy with it i didn't get the latest reviews but i mean whatever i'm okay with oh, it wait hold on i'm gonna interrupt you there you wrote an adventures league adventure don't expect good reviews no matter how good oh, it is okay noted um yeah if you if you want to feel a lot better about yours go read my season eight adventure reviews <laughs> it's a hot garbage I, I actually I actually don't read other people's reviews and I should have done that for my own. But anyways, but you, um But you know what? They still paid for it. Yeah, well, uh, so uh, it wasn't so it wasn't that Jenny. You know what it was? It was that I got asked to write one for season 10 and I actually got to write it with you, Paige, and that was actually like mm-hmm. like yeah, truly truly that was an honor. So the like truly. So the fact the, that I got the to The honor goes both ways. Let me assure you. Thank All you the season ten authors are people I am super. Happy I yeah, was so pleased to see you on that list when Connor and I were working on ours. We started reading through all the content before ours, and we're like, "Oh, this has set us up beautifully." 
Yeah, and I I'm really 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 proud of my adventure for that. Like I really worked hard on that one, um, and 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 I got so the reason I the reason I'm so excited about it is because I can see the difference in how I wrote, which is also the difference in how I run games. So mm -hmm. my games are written for DMs; they're not written for players, right? So that's yeah, um, yeah, that's the big thing for me. Like. I want a DM to sit down and go, okay, I got it. I get what he's trying to write. I get yeah, it. This makes that's, sense. That's my goal. Right? Um, so that's if I can keep writing, like my, my goblin game is built the same way. It's built to like, sure. and that's, uh, I love that game so much. Um, it sounds have hilarious. you guys played? Have you guys played my goblin game? I have not. I have not. No, I, I have not oh. either. So you want to be a goblin. I am goblin and so can you. Yeah, the like, series is the series is going to be I am goblin and so can you. Um and the and the and so you want to be a goblin is the first episode and the second one is called The Beast and it is actually coming out soon. Um mm -hmm. it's it's almost done. Um and so will the third one. So I had way too long in between because uh, while well, I was running games and not sure how to manage my writing time. Right. But right. Yeah. My goblin adventure is really good. Um, and I actually am, um, I'm, I'm sponsored by uh, Norse foundry dice. Sure. Um, um, so I'm going to be writing games for them as well. Um, and so cool. I have some of that coming up very soon as well. That won't be on adventures League. It'll be something or the DM skill would be their own thing, but sure. I'm pretty sure. stoked for that. Um, but yeah, like writing adventures after running all these games, writing adventures has become kind of like a, a new challenge and kind of like a cool thing because it's, it's really different to write an adventure than to run one at a table, really, really different. And, and I learned a lot. Um, and I think my writing has benefited more from my adventure running than my writing has benefited my adventure writing, if that makes sense. Yes, yes it, it makes does. total yes. sense because like. Writing is this whole like separate beast where like you write something and you're like, okay, I understood it. It's great and everything. But like, as you run more and more games and get used to like, what do you need to have here? So your players yeah. understand it. You get better at interpreting how that needs to go to yep. DMs so that they're putting that out to the players they're running it for. Yeah, not exactly. just, not just, not just putting down onto the paper, how you visualize it in your mind, because that's not always helpful. <laughs> So one of the adventure, one of the adventure writers for season 10, Laura Thompson, she taught me something that I never thought she, she did something that I was like, I'd never thought of it. I don't know why I'd never thought of it. And she was like, yeah. So accidentally I had somebody uh, run my adventure for me. I played in the adventure that I mm -hmm. wrote and I was like, oh my God, what was that like? She goes, it was interesting. And so I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll get, I'll get somebody to do it. So I did it. I'm like, oh my God. Like listening to the way that somebody interprets something when you're in the middle of writing it, or even if you've got a draft done, he's like, mm -hmm. how are you? Like, why did you think that? That's We had to actually stop the game in mind because something had happened where the way I had writ written became so ambiguous that there was like 40 little creatures that were like, this is going to like wipe out a level three party. <laughs> we got we to gotta <laughs> fix this like right now. Okay? <laughs> like, so we paused the game. Everyone went to the bathroom and we're like, okay, let's hash this out. Right. But it was good. I never would have seen it. Seen it yeah. Ever. Absolutely love setting in with my, I have a playtest group, right? So sometimes, yeah. you know, but if I've written something, they get it out on the playtest list too. And I love if they're okay with it, sitting in, just like sitting there and like lurking as they run through it. It's like so enlightening. Try yeah, playing is. in it though. Like that, that'll oh, I've change. That. I've done that too. I, I, you got to keep I, your mouth shut. 
I played in my season eight game at Gamehole Con, and the DM didn't know I wrote it. That's always lovely when you do it. He knocked it out of the park. Nice. I told him, you know, after we finished, I was like, I think you like this adventure. He's like, I love it. And I was like, I'm so glad. And he's like, why are you glad? I was like, I wrote it. And he's like, why did you not tell me? And then he had me sign it, which was kind of weird and surreal to me. But like, I was like, no, dude. Hey, I got to do that. That was like, that made me cry. I, I full yeah. on was like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time, but I was just like, no, dude, this has been so helpful for me. <laughs> So, yeah, so you was... mentioned COVID and doing things uh, online earlier. Well, I mean, in in the light of COVID, uh, uh, nearly yes. all D and D has moved online, which has really affected like the whole state of the game. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure, obviously, it has affected the DM for Hire industry as well as your personal business. What what have what have been the changes? What is the outcome? Where is it going? So yeah, what do you use to run online? Oh, okay. So all sorts of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, roll twenty so, or fantasy grounds, both, neither, or something else. Okay, okay. So 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 let's start with that because that's actually easier. Um, roll okay. twenty uh, because I know it. Um, I never bothered with fantasy grounds, and I have no malice towards it. But it just it's, the barrier I, to entry is just lower. Yeah. So I I guess it was more like. Do you know what the easier way to do it, Ginny, is is it's not that it's a barrier to enter. It's that I knew Roll20. I used it. But I had, air quotes, used it, right? Like it was a place where we could see each other's dice and I could throw up a picture every now and then. Like I, I am not, I am not a map DM. I am a very, very, very not map DM. Um, I struggle with maps. And even my maps that are in my games, people are like, what the hell is this? I'm like, that's just you don't need it it's um, for reference <laughs> it's for reference yeah um so so it was it was a huge that has been the biggest struggle for me is learning how to map without mapping because you can't the minute that map is there your players will and especially the dynamic dynamic lighting it's so cool that they will just it it's just used like so i'm getting better at making combat way faster so i'll be like you don't get to tactics this you have like three seconds to answer me on what you're doing for your turn and if you don't answer i will go to the next person and it's just kind of like go 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 you're not conversing about how you're going to do this you're 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 fighting you're in the middle of a fight if you want to yell in the middle of your turn fine but you're not going to have a conversation about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it um it also kind of creates problems when I'm doing my own games because I don't get to create a whole lot of maps because I don't have the time. So there's a lot of recycle used. Sure, um, sure. And I and I also have no problem now when I'm 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 doing a lot of like um, um, I'll do a lot of um, published adventures. So I'll purchase them on D and D Beyond. Sure. Um, or sorry, on Roll Twenty, um, and and use them there. Um, and that's part of the page, right? So if you're the paying Roll20 me... purchased, yeah, the purchased adventures on Roll20, like, I had Genius. very low expectations, and I was blown out. They're of not all great. They're not all great. 
No, but you I know mean, what? They're a hell of a lot better than they yeah. were a year ago. And I'm actually, so I will say this. I'm very, very impressed with how Roll20 stepped up their game. Like it was, there was no excuse given. There was no, there was no, oh, we don't know what we're going to do. There was no, none of that. There was just, we need to deal with it. Let's deal with it. And they, and they, mm-hmm. the difference between, um, was it? Gary Con in March was that the first one that had gone? Yeah, yeah. between pre-COVID Roll Twenty and now Roll Twenty, they're it's, not even the same it's thing. It's night and day. They're not. They they have done such a good job, and I I really mean that. Like I'm really impressed. And so and so even if, yeah, it's not even a, it's not even a question. It's Roll Twenty. The chat platform um, still sucks, but that's fine. Yeah, was, yeah, we're not playing it for the chat platform. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. We're not. We're not. I don't. But it's even not that bad because uh, the only thing I use the chats for is the odd whisper, which is way better than writing no, 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 notes. No, 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 no. the text the, chat's uh, fine. They're 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 video and audio integrated. I just turned that yeah. off for all my games. It's so bad. Yes. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Um, far better yeah, using like, Zoom or Discord or something. Yeah, but even that. So that's what I'm learning is, is right now a lot of my games will use Zoom or Discord, but I'm learning a lot of like having that much open on a computer can be taxing and more than I expected it would be. Um, not just for the, for the players, but even for the, for the system itself. Right. So I think, I think trying to figure out like, so let's use roll 20, for example, dropping the video and just using the audio, you have no problems. Um, so it depends on what you're doing over online, I guess, is, is what you're going to look at. Like how much do you use your player facial expressions and how much are your players mm-hmm. engaged rather than looking at other websites because if they're on their computer right. looking at a whole bunch of other things then what you're watching on the screen isn't going to be what they're actually reacting to they're going to be reacting to what right. they're reading not what they're paying attention to right so it's this whole other thing um if there's other people in the room then you can see them interacting with them and so that can throw you off right like so so i think that i think that using just video um, having solid video isn't always necessarily the, the way to go. I mean, it does though. Like, so that's another thing online is um, because my games have moved all online except for one, which created a pod just so I could run games for them. Um, that like, is commitment. Yeah. That, well, that's the 14 year old boys. So their yeah. parents all created pod out of the families. The families all stay in touch so that I can run a game for the boys every Thursday night. Like that's, so I was like, yeah, I'll run a game. Well, so they, I mean, that's, you we're know, that's outside. Kind of... We're outside. Their parents have all yep. redone all the outside balconies and patios. So they have heaters and lights now. So, cause it's getting cold up here, right? It's October. So it's, it's getting winter. I don't know when this is airing, but when this broadcast, it'll probably be like cold, cold for me. I'm, it's I'm already a wussy, cold. wussy Vancouverite. Um, but I mean, I mean, it goes to like the online stuff is all now like this big thing where we're, uh, like I, I've taken advantage rather than lamenting it. So I run a Star Trek game that I've turned into a stream. Um, we even built uh, like an actual Star Trek episode intro for it um, that That's I'm cool. super proud of, right? And we treat it like an episode. So when I run the game, we actually run it like we have a captain's log. We have the climax at the commercial break. We take our break. We have a little bit of stuff happen in the commercial break. And then we come back in and finish the plot. 
And so we've done it so that it can be like an actual consumable story in one sitting rather than like having this long drawn out four hour game that you have to like dredge through the watch. Um, so it, online stuff has changed the way I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've also, I've also lost two groups because of it um, sure. because they were in-person groups and, and they were like, I don't know if I can run. A, I don't know if I can play. I can't play on the computer. I can't. Um, and so we and tried. And a lot of people and... just cannot. Exactly. And at first I was like, I was a little butthurt about it at first. And I'll be honest with that because it was like, well, I, I will like, I'll run a game for you still. Like, and then I, and then I, when I realized that I was like, well, I'll run it for you free. And then I'm like, no, no, that's not fair to me now. Right. Correct. And that's right. when I realized I was a full professional was because it wasn't that they were like, if I, I run it for my friends, but if it was like, um, if it was like a thing that was like, I need to, I need to downgrade my capabilities just that I have people that I'm not doing something right. And then I realized that that wasn't me. It was the scenario. So once COVID is over, we'll all meet up and we've already agreed that we'll probably do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not stressed. Right. Um, And I've picked up a whole lot of games. Like I run games for a lot of Americans right now. And I run a game out of Europe. Like, so on Monday mornings, I run a game out of all European people. Um, I'm reteaching myself French so that I can run a game in, uh, en français, um, because, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> I re- I played a game, a charity game with, uh, the D and D Montreal folks. Oh, uh, they're still amazing. Everyone thought everyone, I posted it. Everyone's like, is it going to be in French? And I'm like, God, I hope not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I speak French. You can just roll. Fuck you. Just roll. <laughs> I, I feel like with COVID, there has been a proliferation of DMs uh, selling their services online. One service that has recently started up is Start Playing Dot Games, which is basically like Tinder for DMs and players. It's just a matchmaking site. And then they take they, they enable the transfer of fees and then take 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of people on that thing. I really like it because I'm loving being able to give reviews to all my friends that I've ever played a game with. And my friends have been so nice. And I just want to hug every single one of them that's left me a review. And I just love them all to little bits and pieces. I, I cry every time I read the reviews. Grown-ass woman cries every time that's that's awesome um i got invited for a bunch of those and i Mm -hmm. didn't partake because i don't know how to be honest so Mm -hmm. with the way i have mine set up i'm so integrated into my own brand that to fall under another one i'm part of the DD coalition which is run out of uh florida um, and it's a group of creatives that will support and back each other. I, I think mm-hmm. they're really great. And I could do something like that. But I've already, and I, I don't mean that to sound egotistical and nor do I diss any of it, but it's almost like, I don't know if I could go under another umbrella. I'm doing one with the um, D&D in a Castle. I'm part of Sword and Scroll. Um, they've been doing yep. that. I highly recommend it. Um, but I, I, I haven't been able to run a game for them because I have so little time right now that that I really need to I mean, to I can honestly say that it's not, it's, 
Yeah, it's not a big deal, though, because you've already got your brand established, like you said. Like, this is great for people who haven't DM'd as much professionally or don't yeah, really sure. know where to find players. But, like, for yeah. someone like you, like, the service might not be the thing. Yeah, but it, it, and you know I what? I think it is a... I, no, go ahead. I think it is a marker of the proliferation we're seeing, though, in online games and online DMs and people trying to match me. I don't disagree. I, I do think, though, it's not... I actually... How do I word this? So I don't disagree that it's a marker. I think I do disagree that there's proliferation of DMs. I don't think there are any more than there already were. I think what's happening is that we're all being vocal about it. So before, the only way yeah. to find a DM was to, like hunt them down you had to go to know a game who, store you, you had, had to, to know to someone who knew someone or you had to be the one who was like uh okay well let's play dnd uh nose goes the dm nose goes right so it's like it's like rather than the few people and let's be honest there are still only a very few people who were like like me i want to dm i don't want to play i i i played i play in one game right now every two weeks and and it's the only game that i want to play in and it's the quest and queers that i started a few years ago it's been transferred to another dm because i ran out of time um and i uh, and i get to play so i played a, a human paladin based off the tick who is <laughs> so amazing but you know like that's so i get to come up with concepts now right mm -hmm. um so you, so you think, mentioned yeah you mentioned quests and queers. What are some of the events yeah. you posted in the past or are hosting now or are looking forward to hosting in the future? So I, it was not quests and queers. It was, um, 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 did I mention quests and queers? You did. Anyways, quests and queers is a, is a tabletop gaming night at the, at one of the local gaming bars that here in Vancouver. Um, we used to do it once a month, uh, in the before time. Um, and once once COVID is over and we're allowed to congregate, uh, we'll probably likely start it up again. So I run a gaming night for queer people at the gaming store and it becomes a safe space um, where it it was like one of the favorite nights of the month. It was lots of fun. Excuse me. It was lots of fun. Um, and uh, so I love doing that. Um, I am part of uh, the Adventures League. Um when I go to conventions still, I get to write. Um, I do Fierce Adventures, which um, we really hope there's going to be a November show. Uh, it is Dungeons and Dragons Drag Queens. Um, so I got permission from Matt Baum in, uh, in Seattle to do a Vancouver version of, of, of um, Queens of Adventure. Um, so yeah, so, so I've been running a live, a live Dungeons and Dragons drag queen show called Fierce Adventures here in Vancouver at a local, a local restaurant for, uh, we just, we just were about to, we just did our third year in, in August. Um, and it's super, super fun. Um, I have some amazing Queens, uh, drag performers playing for me and we try and have a really diverse cast as, uh, as, uh, guests, um, and uh, I do my live D&D stream um, on Friday nights where we play a lot like just Dungeons, uh, Star Trek online. And then I play a Star Trek adventures game where I do the series. Like I was telling you, we do that every second Sunday. 
Um, I am writing more events. I am going to be doing another D and D in a castle. Um, I mean, all, everything crossed in, in March of next year, likely sure. not until 2022, but that's okay. Um, cause it'll still happen again. Um, sure. and, uh, you know, conventions and, um, I've gotten to do, I, I, it's uh, like the list is ridiculous. What I, so when I'm asked this question, it always feels like, I'm just like, well, I get to do this. And, <laughs> and it really it sounds isn't like you're to, really busy. I'm really busy, but it's very cool stuff. And it, I guess the big thing for me was that I turned my love into something that can pay my rent or buy my groceries. Um, and it doesn't pay my rent on like a regular basis. I couldn't live off this yet. So people are like, oh man, you're living the dream. It's like, well, I mean... Not yet. Maybe. Yet. Yeah. But I mean, even if it, I don't know if I want it to get to that point. And, and the reason, really? yeah. So I make think your, ha- your, your passion, like your only source of uh, income because then kind it becomes of. a job. Well, a, a little bit, but it's more about like, it's more about the fact that if it, yeah, I guess you're right, Jenny. Like, I think it's because if I, it becomes a thing where I have to do it, then there's that extra additive stress. And right now I have to do it because I have it in my head that this needs to happen. Um, but like, I need, I need to run games. Um, I need um, human interaction. I need to be able to present my stories and and interact them with the player's stories. I need that, right? So for me to be able to do that is is truly an honor. But I also need to make sure that I'm encouraging others to DM. I also need that I'm helping others have a voice. I also need to make sure that I'm making space for other people. So if in five years, there's all only white guys as professional DMs and somebody who's not a white guy says, Hey, I want to do this. I will be like, let me see if I can figure out how to get you some game, my games and give them away. And I need to know, sure. be able to do that without stressing about money. So I don't know if I ever sure. want to do this as like an actual job. And, and it is kind of a dream, but also, I, you know, I will tell end, you for so. certain though, that uh, it is it is never again going to be all white guys with I know anything it's, it's kind of anything. awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it really is. My heart's so happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a, I don't think there is any there. I don't think there has been a better time to be a fan of role-playing games, period. I think that's an agree. Yeah. This right here is the golden age of D and D. So do you know what? Yes. Uh, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to like, I agree, but I'm actually, I'm going to challenge a little bit. I think I would rather say this is the silver age. Cause I still think we can get better and I never want to exactly. put it at that. Fair. No, or we're going to the platinum age. I was going to say, <laughs> we still got platinum age. Yeah. <laughs> platinum and adamantine. We'll just there you go. Time. Yeah. Okay. There's always more. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yep. Um, the iridescent age is still to come, right? So, uh, mithril. I the mithril, yeah, because like the nineties, uh, well, not the nineties, the two thousands was that was that yeah was that the was that the the two thousands was the three five explosion, and that was when everyone did d twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. 
so I would say that was the first kind of like, hey, this could be something. Because that mm-hmm. that 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 sort of the satanic panic of the eighties was finally gone. God, what a ridiculous amen. thing that was. <laughs> right? Literally, amen. And then and then and then and then I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what it was about. I, I, a lot of people say fifth edition fixed it, but I actually think it was fourth edition because fourth edition showed people that you didn't have to know games to play games. And for the people that were hardcore with it, who were like, wow, fourth edition. Um, first of all, get over it. And second of all, it let them have to come up with ways to make new games that they liked. So there was yeah. an experience. Like a, I think that fifth edition came out at just the right time that there were mm-hmm. other games coming out at the same time. So like at the same time, fifth edition came out, there was also edge of the empire from fantasy flight. There was sure. also, um, fifth uh, edition site, uh, shadow run shadow run. There was, there was, there was the fate system. There was having a resurgence. There was fiasco came out. There was, mm-hmm. there was all these sort of like indie games. And then you've got finally the cipher system games like Numenera yeah. And- yeah. Uh, anything from Monty cook, right now you've got, now you've got Star Trek adventures. You've got, mm-hmm. got anything from free league. I man, free league. If you're listening to this, I will write the crap out of your stuff. Let me know. Or, or, or Modifius, their, their stuff. Modifius I highly does recommend. some good stuff. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Like mm-hmm. the, the 2d20 system is brilliant, right? Like, and- yeah, I like we, we, my, uh, Sunday morning brunch group has been playing. Uh, uh yes, please. You're right. Uh, has been playing Star Trek. We've switched to Dresden Files, but our Wednesday night group did the Dune playtest, which is the same system as Star Trek. Yeah, I, we're really excited at the game store. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to be in the Star Trek Adventures series that I go? Do you want to mm-hmm. come in as a? Do you want to come in as a recurring character as a guest star? Sure. Every episode had a guest star. I w- I would love to. Who do you want to be? We've already got a cue. Uh, Laura Laura Thompson's going to be Q in the next episode uh, coming out. That's in, hilarious, uh, and she's going to kill it. She's going to kill it. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, that episode comes out me... on uh, November first. So if you want to watch, I kind of want to be a changeling. That can be done. So we're we're in the in the universe of the thing. We're right at the end of uh, season four ish of Deep Space Nine. So the Dominion okay. War hasn't quite started yet. Um, but everything is known. The Klingons have broken off. Um, how about you, Jenny? Do you want to be in the Star Trek game? You're muted. Uh, or you're quiet. I can see your face. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Uh, so. <laughs> busy Fox is very busy. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Well, yes, I do. Um. Can't in like the foreseeable future. Don't then don't. Um, it's all gonna totally get it. When my M- Just, when I get my, my my fancy paper for my MBA, we're gonna game. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I've got I've got uh, Teos Abadea and I've invited Sean Merwin to be in an episode. So I basically want to get my goal is my goal has always been with the brand the GM Tim that no matter what I got 
out, I would always put back in. So for all the people who brought me under the wing, I want to make sure that I'm like, and it's not a matter of like, look who I know. It's, 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 it's not, it's about like Paige, you and I have known each other for a long time. I know that you know me well enough to like play into my story the way I need you to. And I would love for you to partake in this. Right. So it would be, it would be, it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. It would be a lot of fun. And go ahead. You know, you know who would love it and who I would offer in my stead? Uh, John Connor's self. He would, he would lose his mind for an opportunity to play Star Trek with you. Done. Yeah. (laughs) John, get in touch. (laughs) Believe me. Believe me. Yeah, Yeah. actually. Uh, And, 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 uh, yeah, like that's, that's currently my big sort of very public thing is the, is the Star Trek online and the fierce adventures was the drag show. So the fierce adventures were on a little bit of a hiatus as I try and like figure out how we're going to do things. Um, running our game at home has been problematic because a drag show online is not the same as a drag show live and we can't do it for $25. And that's what we made last time. Right. There just wasn't enough. Um, so that one's, that one's, we're not sure about, but, uh, the, the Star Trek game, uh, my goal with that one is (laughs) my nerd goal. I want Modifius to be like, Hey, this is really good. I would probably wet myself. Like, like, like I'd probably piddle on the floor, like a little dog who got too excited. Like it's, it's pretty much like a guaranteed. So that's my current goal is I would love to have them. That's my next writing goal as uh, I'm going to start submitting an adventure series to Modifius and be like, hire me. <laughs> like they should at least sponsor you. Right. I mean, it's so the very good. least. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit up my YouTube if you want to see the intro. I'm really proud okay, of it. So, so let's do this. So okay. tell our listeners as well as our dearly beloved friends at Modifius, yeah. <laughs> to find you on the internet. Okay, so for all social media, it's at the GM Tim. That's it. T H E G M T I M. Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. It's all found website. there. Website. Website is thegmtim.ca. Um, I've just started a book club, by the way. Uh, uh, it's a book club built, it's called Appendix Lit. Um, it's a, it's a modern living version of Appendix N because I thought it was time it needed an upgrade. So, mm-hmm. um, I picked 12 books for the year. Um, three are Canadian authors. 60% of the authors are female. And, uh, I think there's only one white person on the entire list of authors. So I'm um, I'm big on that. I really I really believe that DMs really need some inspiration in their writing. So I and mining like mine everything. So for me, I wanted to read more. I'm turning off my phone at ten o'clock at nights every night now, and now I read for an hour before I go to bed. So I mm-hmm. decided to start a book club for that. Um, um, is my YouTube Jeff has Goad, like is Jeff Goad one of the people that you work with for that? No, I did that all by myself. Oh, okay. Um, should I talk to Jeff Goad? No, I was just wondering because there, <laughs> there's an appendix in book club. Oh, that's cool. No, I didn't. I didn't. I <laughs> my okay. first my first thought was it's lit. Uh, inspiration for tabletop storytellers, but oh, it's lit gotcha. is already Got taken it. by two different groups. So I was like, okay, I'll come up with my own thing. And so I decided appendix lit as like an honorarium to appendix sure. in. 
Um, and I like it because it's like, you know, literature and like, this is yeah. you. It's lit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I, I really did like, it's a really diverse group of books. Like there's everything from like a superhero villain book about a henchman um, who, who has to find a, has to find a new villain um, to uh, um, an Arabian fantasy written by somebody who's an Iranian Canadian. Um, mm-hmm. So it's there's some really cool stuff, and that's our first where, book. It's called Candy Where do we Play. Where do we find appendix? It's at the GM uh, Tim Appendix Lit okay. is right on the top, and uh, yeah, and so you can also join my Discord, uh, uh, the GM Tim Discord. Um, you can join it through the Appendix Lit website, um, and it'll mm-hmm. be on my website in the next few days. Um, probably by the time this drops, it'll be on my website as well. A link there. Um, um, so you can interact with the different players from the different shows we watch. Um, YouTube is the GM Tim. Um, and all my Twitch is done through streaming at the Norse Foundry. So twitch.tv slash Norse Foundry. And uh, even if you want to like, I'll even plug this. If you want to go and, and get some discounts on some dice that are some pretty amazing dice. Uh, the GM Tim is a promo code you can use on the Norse Foundry and get a discount. Ooh. Can we put that in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, we we'll put, yeah, we'll okay. put that in the show yeah. notes. I love discounts. Yeah, and, love and their dice, their dice are, that. their dice are amazing. I, look yeah, at, I'll show you two like this. I don't know if you can. Can you uh, hear the jingle? And I don't, I don't know yeah. if they have them right now, but the Norse Foundry did the Rainbow D twenty pins. Yes, that, they yep. have. So they might have them. That was done with internally that they did that. They decided to do that on their own. And it's part of the reason why I'm such a huge sponsor of them. So they actually, they actually, um, our pride game last year uh, with Fierce Adventures, they gave me some stuff to give away. And we plus them donated some money to a group called the Rainbow Refugee mm-hmm. uh, group here in Vancouver. And they help. Uh, queer people from around the world migrate to Canada who are in danger of being killed because you're queer. Right. So, so they, they've been really, really good to me. Um, I'm not, I don't talk about them because I don't talk about them because they give me stuff. I talk about them because they put their money where their mouth is and they're really trying to make a better world as well as an awesome, an awesome dice sets. Right. So I highly recommend them. Yeah. I, I found out about them. I think, Game Holcon had some of the pins they were giving out, but they didn't have very many, and I already had a rainbow pin of some sort, so I didn't take one. But then I was like, "Shit, I want that!" So I went on their you site. Taken like, it. Yeah. No, no, no. I went on their site and I gave them money for like twenty of them. I bought oh, like good, twenty of good. them. Good. I don't know <laughs> if they're still available, but they might be. But yeah. Well, I have a couple still in a drawer. Score. I mean, that's the thing is like you can always buy a bunch of those and give them away because that's what I was that's doing. Right. <laughs> I had to buy one for every gay friend I had that I regularly <laughs> interacted with in person that played D&D because I was like, guess what? I got you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I, yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. Excuse me. Hiccups. They're amazing human beings. Um, and uh, like, I think, I think that's why I, I think that's why I, I'm so comfortable being a professional DM is because I've managed to surround myself in the industry with people like you two. And, and I know that's Aww. gushy, but, but it's honest. So like, 
it's 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 not it's not the fact that I'm paid that makes me good. It's the fact that I know that I'm not the best. And so you try and surround yourself with people you think are the best. And even if they think you're better than them, that doesn't matter. It's the fact that like like you two are in my top five of people who are friggin' amazing in this world, right? And like so when I, but that's true, right? Like I, I heart you too. But I mean, like, and I, I know this people are listening are gonna be like, oh my God, just get over it. But it's it's honest. Like you've got to you've got to really make sure that you make, even if they're acquaintances at first, if people are good, surround yourself with them because mm-hmm. it will make you better. And and yeah. as long as you're open to being better. And if you're that is some if of you're the best yeah. advice. Yeah. And and that it's the same goes for D and D. If you if you if you think you're good, that's great. But surround yourself with people you think are better, and I guarantee you, you will be stunning. It's true. It's very true because you're always going to be learning things from other people. Always. And if you're not, <laughs> it's you're so doing cheesy. It wrong. <laughs> yeah. So when I worked at McDonald's when I was a kid, I for some reason this one quote stuck in my head. Most of it I forgot. Although I know that fries are dead after seven minutes. Never eat a French fry after seven minutes. Um, <laughs> they're they yeah they're they're th- they throw them away. Um, but it's it's if you're not green and growing, you're old and rotten. And it's, I never I never want to be old and rotten with my role playing games ever because because I know people who have gone who have fallen off the tree. And they're no longer green and growing. And rather than reseeding themselves and grow again, they've just decided to rot. And I don't want to be like that. So yep. I want to make sure that I am always a force for positivity, for fun, for openness, for inclusion. And I have made some big mistakes in the past, but I wouldn't be human if I didn't. And so I'm not going to kick myself over it. I'm going to get up, I'm going to replant, and I'm going to grow again. Because that's the only way I can get better. Yep. Well, yeah. with that, I feel like this is about the end of our show. Uh, if you're looking for me on the intertubes, you and can you find be. me on. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Paige Lightman. That's L-E-I-T-M-A-N. Or you can contact me through the website that my husband and I use for our writing portfolio, which is benandpagewrite.com. Also, you can find me on Feats and Fables. That's twitch.tv slash featsandfables for an actual play game that I run on Monday nights. Jenny, where can people find you? You can find me all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, under Jenny Loveday, that's G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y, and my website is samejennyloveday.com. And as always, you can find The Roundtable on Twitter at D, the letter N, D, Roundtable, on Facebook under the same, and you can always shoot us an email to dndroundtable at gmail.com. Thoughts, comments, feedbacks, criticisms, suggestions, you just want to tell us something cool that you thought of, whatever. Also, please like us on Facebook, leave a review on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. We very much appreciate your support and feedback. That is it for this episode of The Roundtable. Until next time. See ya!